Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Scripture lesson this morning comes from the book of Joshua, chapter 6, verses 2 through 5. But the context of this whole piece, really, we could wind it back to chapter 5, verses 13, all the way through chapter 20, of, or verse 20 of chapter 6. So this is, this is a text that we know of, it's the Battle of Jericho. That's the context in which we are. And so what we find ourselves is hearing these words out of the book of Joshua. The Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry ram's horns at the front of the ark. And on the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast of the trumpets, have the whole army give up a loud shout and the walls will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Almighty and gracious God, as we gather to worship and to praise you today, speak so clearly to our hearts that we would know your presence in our lives and know that we walk out of this hour of worship, whether here in the sanctuary or at home or on vacation or wherever we are connected today, that we walk away from this hour with your spirit guiding us every step of the way so that we might be not just hearers of your word, but doers of your word. Your son's holy name we pray, amen. 52 years ago, a Methodist minister in Eastern Kentucky had this idea, this ridiculous, impossible idea he thought what he would do is he would gather groups of high school students in the summer and that they would work in central Appalachia and provide home repair in some of the poorest conditions in America. Everybody said that's impossible, it's improbable, it won't work. I mean, first of all, central Appalachia is very insulated. They don't like outsiders. They're not going to let people in. It won't work because it's teenagers. They're not going to want to give up any of their summer to go help poor people. It won't work because people aren't going to let unskilled teenage labor work on their houses. It won't work because it's not sustainable. It's improbable. It's ridiculous. It's the craziest idea we've ever heard of. Tex Evans didn't give up though. He persevered nonetheless, even in the face of the odds, and even as impossible and as crazy as this idea sounded, he said, we're going to give it a go. In the text today in which I read, we read about another improbable, ridiculous-sounding strategy, if you will. I mean, the book of Joshua is written about the story of the Israelites' conquest of the land of Canaan. Joshua is leading them, and as he leads them, if we'd started at verse 13 in chapter 5, We've seen that Joshua is leading the people and all of a sudden they encounter the army, the the commander of the army of the Lord, this angel in brilliant white carrying a sword. And Joshua says, are you friend or foe? And he says, I 
am commander of the Lord's army. And he says, take off your shoes. You're standing on holy ground. And then he proceeds to give the instructions that we heard in verses two through five just now. And we know what the rest of the story is. If we remember that story from long ago in Bible school or Sunday school, we know that sure enough, for six days, they marched around the city one time, as improbable as it was, the whole Israelite army. And on the seventh day, as instructed, they picked up the Ark of the Covenant, the seat of where God was with the people. And they marched around the city seven times, blowing the trumpets. And when the seventh blast happened, the army gave the shout, the loud huzzah, or whatever it was they shouted. And sure enough, the walls of the city came a-tumbling down. As impossible as those instructions sounded, it was successful. I mean, who would have said a walled city would fall because the army walked around it seven times, blowing a trumpet and said, huzzah or whatever, that the walls would come crashing in. But what we know with God, that God's plan is best, that the impossible is possible, the ridiculous is plausible only because it's got God behind it. But if we dig deeper in this story, as we begin to think about it, it's not just as the Israelites and Jericho, but we begin to think about what it means for us as a people, we begin to think about it. We understand that God's calling, God's plan for our lives is perfect, even if it seems improbable, impossible, and maybe even ludicrous to our ears. But in order for us to understand it, We've got to be like the Israelites. We've got to be like Joshua. We've got to listen intently. We've got to intentionally practice that what the Lord calls us to do. And we must persevere no matter what. And if we do those three things, if we do that, listen intently, practice intentionally and persevere no matter what, we see that God's plan comes to, and to, God's plan comes to fruition, that what God envisions happens, that the success of that plan the building of God's kingdom happens right in our midst. I love that the story starts with the angel looking at Joshua and says, you're standing on holy ground, take off your shoes. I mean, if we think about it, it reminds us when Moses was out in the wilderness and the bush is burning and he says, Moses, you're on holy ground and Moses takes off his shoes. It's in those holy ground moments that we begin to realize that we are standing in the presence of God. I mean, we come into worship, we come here to meet God. I almost wondered why we don't take our shoes off. I mean, I'm wearing simple loafers, but some of us wear really fancy shoes. I mean, imagine the image if you walked in of all the shoes of the congregation lining the narthex. But we come here to be on holy ground to meet God and to see God. But folks, it's not just here that's holy ground. Holy ground happens whenever we happen to be where we meet God. Our adult faith formation team really wants to help us understand that. And so as we begin to start planning ministries for the fall, one of the things they are planning as a part of our Every Day for Everyone campaign is this idea of the first 15. That the first 15 minutes of every day that we are focused on God. That we find ourselves, no matter where we are, on holy ground, that in those 15 minutes of scripture, of prayer, that we meet God every day. 
But once we realize that we are on holy ground, just like Joshua did, whether it's here in the sanctuary or the sanctity of our homes or the sanctuary of wherever we happen to be that day, we must do just like Joshua. We must listen intently. We must listen intently to what it is that God is calling us to do collectively as a congregation. But more importantly, what is God calling you to do as an individual? What precise instructions are you receiving? What precise calling is God laying on your heart? I mean, Joshua heard this to march around the city. We hear it in the Bible to do unto others. What is, a God, what is God calling us to do as individuals? These outward and visible signs of our discipleship, our following of the risen Christ. I mean, in the quiet of each day, do we start with this simple phrase? Here I am, Lord. Where do you need me? Here I am, Lord. Where do you need me? What do you want me to do today? And as we utter those questions... To listen in the silence. I mean, I'm like, I'm like most of us. I really just pursue have the big booming voice like what John the Baptist heard when Jesus came up out of the water and, in Jesus, and the Lord said, this is my son with whom I'm pleased. I would much rather have bright light and a big booming voice or a billboard on the side of the road. I mean, as a kid driving to the beach, we would see those signs for south of the border, 200 miles. Start yelling now, kids, they'll stop. Those were easy to figure out. But God doesn't always work in billboards. God doesn't always work in booming voices. God speaks in the silence. God speaks to us when our ears are tuned and our eyes are opened as we go about our day. So if we want to do the impossible, the ridiculous, the ludicrous, that which God is calling us to do, we must first hear it by simply listening intently, finding ourselves on holy ground every day. But then once we do that, once we begin to hear the next step in that process, the next step for change for our world is to intentionally practice it. I mean, Joshua was given those specific instructions, and in verses 8 through 20 of chapter 6, we find out that he does exactly what he's told to do. He does it with great devotion. I am sure that the army was like, really? We're going to march around the city again today? Really? We've got to put everything on our backs again? We've got to march again? And I'm sure the priests were sitting there going, you've marched around the city six days, so now we're going to get up there and we're going to blow a trumpet. But yet, very intentionally, without waver, no matter how awkward or ridiculous it sounding was, Joshua and the Israelites practiced. They did just what God called them to do. See, the gospel gives us some very clear instructions that sometimes seem ludicrous or really hard for us. I mean, something as simple as love our neighbors as ourselves, when sometimes we want to love us at the expense of our neighbors. I mean, the conundrum we find ourselves in sometimes is that we want to do about us first, not God first. But the instructions are very clear in the gospel. And then when we've realized that, that's where we've got to work the hardest. 
when our souls cry for something that's selfish about us and we realize that God is calling us to be about something bigger about the kingdom. I don't know about you, but every once in a while I pull up to the stoplight and there is a human being sitting there. There is a brother or sister in Christ sitting there holding up a sign that says, need food. I'm hungry. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't often carry cash. As a matter of fact, I very rarely have any cash on me, so it's not much help. We also know from studies that rolling down the window and just handing out a $5 bill doesn't really help either. But I've been giving this some thought. I thought, you know what, if they're hungry, why am I not feeding this brother or sister of mine? And I've been thinking about that a little bit. I thought, what would it take for me to take like a Ziploc bag and just put a few simple items in it and have it sitting in my car that when I pull up to the stoplight and see someone in need, that I don't roll my window down and say, I can't do much, but here is some food for today. Now, I'm not solving the problem of poverty. I'm not solving the situation. I'm just treating the symptom at the, right in front of me, which is I'm hungry, but it's a start. And that's the gospel. I mean, what if we did that? What if we just had those bags in the back of our car, in our seat, in case we encountered that person, just to roll it down and say, I care about you enough to provide you some food. If you want to take that challenge with me, this morning, Doug has posted on our Facebook page, the church's Facebook page, just a little list of items that you can put in that Ziploc bag. These are items that anyone, they'll provide sustenance and nutrients, proteins, everything for a day for a meal. It doesn't have to be cooked. It's not going to spoil. It's just something that we can do. It follows through with the gospel message to feed the 5,000, to feed my sheep, or when Jesus said, you, when you fed me when I was hungry. Very specific instructions in the gospel. See, my friends, the kingdom is built. The victory is won when we follow God's commands intently and intentionally. Because that's what the Lord calls us to do when we listen intently while standing on holy ground. What I love about this text, because we know that probably as any group could have, that there was grumbling amongst the ranks about having to march each day. But Joshua persevered nonetheless every day intentionally and faithfully carried out the plan. Faithfully every day did it because that's what the Lord required. Persevered no matter what grumbling, how much longer, why do we have to keep doing this? The Lord said it, we're going to do it. See, our journey of faith is a daily practice. It's not something that we just do on Sunday and we shelve it till the next Sunday. It's something that we practice Monday through Saturday as well. Our journey of faith is something that we practice even when no one is watching us. Because there's one thing I've learned about this world that even when you think no one is watching, there is a camera somewhere, even here in the sanctuary, watching us. We must persevere. We must stick to the plan. We must listen to God's perfect calling upon our lives and do our best each and every day as disciples, as followers, to answer that calling. Every day. And some days we're going to fall short. But we pick ourselves up and we try again tomorrow, doing the very best that we can. Just a little while ago, I sat with a family as we were planning a funeral for their father. And the statement one of the sons made was, you know, dad lived his life as if he was writing his obituary every day. I like that. 
Dad lived his life as if he was writing his obituary every day. And my friends, that is how we are to persevere. That is how we are to live our lives. That is how we are to practice our faith, to live our lives as if we were writing our own obituary every day, just simply by the ways we listened, the ways we followed, the ways we acted in the world. And when we do that, when we live our lives by writing our own obituaries, God's reward comes not only for us, but for everyone around us. We make that difference in the world. And the kingdom is built one block at a time. They told Tex Evans that it was a ridiculous idea. It'll never work. It'll probably fizzle out, but you can try it. And so with that, the Appalachia Service Project was built, a ministry that provides warmer, safer, drier homes, that builds relationships and provides transformation not only in central Appalachia, but also with the volunteers who come each and every summer to participate. Mountaintop experiences, both literal and figurative and spiritual, happen because of this vision, this ridiculous plan. 52 years later, Some 440,000 volunteers have cycled through ASP. Some 19,000 households have been helped, all because someone was willing to listen to a vision, a plan as ridiculous, as ludicrous, as crazy as what Joshua listened to. But the walls, they came tumbling down. And transformation happened right in their midst. So my brothers and sisters, our acts of faith, our faith calls us to listen intently, to act intentionally, and to persevere no matter what. And when we do that, the kingdom is obtained and the victory is won, and the world rejoices. Because our Lord in heaven calls us to be those kinds of people who listen, who act, and persevere through faith. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.